Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. something about the intro music that just mellows me out. I get in such a good place and I get ready to welcome you guys to another edition of Sportsish with Elisa Hernandez. It's all me this week, just my voice coming through your speakers. I appreciate you guys checking in because last time we talked, we went into detail about my epic fail while interviewing Lisa Leslie. I have stories for days at USC. I will share a couple more today, but this time I wanted to focus this episode a little bit more on how I became so in love with sports in the first place. People always ask, what are your teams? Pretty obvious. I'm born and raised in LA. The Lakers, the Dodgers, the Sparks, the Kings, and of course, the Denver Broncos. Now people always get thrown off by that one because... The Raiders were here, the Rams were here, the Chargers were not that far, and I ended up being a Denver Broncos fan. Well, when I was learning to love the sport of football, I had to pick a team, and I have a big love for horses. (laughs) And have you seen the Broncos mascot, Thunder, and the mascot, the mascot, which is named Miles. I was like obsessed, Miles for mile high. And I was basically just obsessed with this horse and the logo and everything. And then I was blessed with John Elway and then Shannon Sharp and Terrell Davis. And we won Super Bowls 1998, 1999. And then we had to thug it out for a very long time (laughs) until we became Super Bowl 50 champions in 2016, defeating the number one offense in the NFL. Unfortunately, it was Cam Newton. But I was very happy to see my team win Super Bowl 50. It was even better because now when people ask me, have you been to Denver? I can say, of course I have, because I went to the Monday night football game, Denver versus the Bengals, freezing cold. My soda froze. My soda. Okay. I'm born and raised in California. My soda don't freeze unless I purposely put it in the freezer and it turned into a straight slushy at the game. But we won that game. We got into the playoffs. We ended up winning the Super Bowl. And then I actually went back for NFL kickoff to see them reveal the banner, take out the trophy. And we actually played Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers again. And we won again. So I am a huge, huge Denver Broncos fan. I love Terrell Davis. He was such a big force, especially because he went through the whole migraines issues when he was playing and my mom uh, has a lot of migraines I get migraines sometimes I don't know why that I felt connected by that but but I did and so I've stayed true to my team since I was eight nine years old that's when they won their first two Super Bowls and then we had the Jay Cutlers the Plumbers the Ordens the Osweilers until the sheriff came to town but my love for sports is so complex because I 
learned as a kid, you know, how to play sports through my brothers. I used to always play sports with them, my older brothers. I'm the youngest. And I used to love playing tackle football with them. I used to always love running around with them, playing basketball. And we played aggressive basketball. Like, don't think because I was their little sister, it took it easy on me. Like, no, like we were playing basketball one time and they literally would like bump me and I would hit my head on the screen and they would like move me and my head would kind of like, like <laughs> go across the screen. And... It was fun though. You know, we used to play basketball in the backyard. We used to play horse, 21, tackle football. Football in the rain was my favorite. And I remember one time, my oldest brother, he, <laughs> um, we're playing, he was playing with his friends. The ball went somewhere and he told me to go get it. So I got it and so I throw it back. So I threw a perfect spiral. Yes, it was perfect. And he caught it and he was like, I forgot I taught you how to throw football. <laughs> and he was like, want to come play? And I was like, yes. So I was a very big tomboy growing up. And so my love for sports came from my relationship with my brothers and being able to connect with them on a level that was separate from just like family or music or culture. It was, it was, it was ours, you know? And my brother was a big San Francisco 49ers fan. And so I have a soft spot for the Niners. I have... A lot of his memorabilia that he collected uh, before he passed away, I still have it. And he was a big Jerry Rice guy. You would think that I would have adopted that, but unfortunately, I was already well. Not hold up, hold on. not unfortunately. Fortunately, I was still. Uh, I became a Broncos fan already. And then my second oldest brother, he was actually a Broncos fan. So now me and him kind of bond through that. So as I was growing up, I loved to talk. Makes sense. I have my own show now. So my own podcast. You guys can hear me talk all day. And I always thought like, how do I combine these two loves right now? How do I do it? How do I combine my love for sports with my love for talking? What job would that be? Um, sports journalist, <laughs> sports reporting, sports hosting. And that was my mindset since I was a kid. You know, a lot of people figure out what they want to do really late in life or they figure it out as they're growing up going to college I knew since I was like 10 that this is what I wanted to do I wanted to interview athletes I wanted to tell their stories I wanted to go to games I'm not meant to sit in a cubicle and there's nothing wrong with that I'm just not built that way I like being out I like being in the action I like hearing the roar of the crowd I love the emotional impact that players get when they score a touchdown hit a home run make the game winning shot I mean that environment is unmatched and I was on a few podcasts where I'm talking about my career. They always ask me like, well, what's your favorite sports moment and things like that. It always goes back to memories that I had with my brother. I'm sure if you guys really, if you guys know me, you guys know that Kobe Bryant is the reason I am a Lakers fan. He came into the league when I was five, six years old and I fell in love with the game as he perfected his. And so I watched him, his entire career, his three titles, I watched him battle out with the Suns, with the Kings, with the Detroit Pistons, which we lost to them, which still bothers me to this day. <laughs> we lost to the Celtics, then we beat the Magic, and then we beat the Celtics for his final ring. My first game ever, ever, was Allen Iverson versus Kobe Bryant. In hindsight, I was able to see Allen Iverson play in person. That was the first game. My, my second oldest brother took me to that game. And I didn't even know where we were going. We were driving, and I was looking at Staples Center, and I was like, man, like... I would really like to go there one day. I didn't say it, but I was thinking it. And my brother pulls up and I'm looking at him like, what are we doing here? He throws me a number eight Kobe jersey. And he's like, we're going to the game. I literally remember that day like it was yesterday. I have so many pictures of that day. Cause you know, at the time 
think it was like the digital cameras were coming out. We didn't have no cameras on our phones. And I'm snap snapping everything, everything. And I got a foam finger. Like I was screaming. Like it was my first Lakers jersey. I still have that jersey. It's actually pinned to my wall in my room next to my signed Champ Bailey jersey. <laughs> that was actually the first jersey I ever got too. And so I always grew up like wanting to know everything about football, everything about basketball, everything about hockey and, and baseball and things like that. As I got older, my love for football and basketball s- subsided everything else. I was so focused on, you know, where am I going to go to college? And of course, during that time, who was king? USC, Reggie Bush, give him the height in the back. And, you know, I was so enamored with everything about USC football. And so I knew that I wanted to go there and I got in. First went to community college, then I got in. And with that being said, I started to realize like, okay, this is really happening for me. Now it's not just me dreaming about it. I'm actually doing the things that I said I was going to do. I said I wanted to go to USC. Now I'm here. I said I wanted to cover USC football games. I'm on the sideline. I said I wanted to cover the Lakers. I'm getting internships that allow me to do that. What's the next step? Me and Renee Washington, who was my guest on last week's episode, spoke about this. But one of the hardest transitions for me wasn't talking sports, wasn't learning how to ask questions, wasn't learning to not have butterflies or or nervousness when I'm trying to, you know, get a player to talk to me. It was literally learning how to dress. So here's a little snippet from last week's episode where we kind of go into it a little bit. I look back and I'm like, I would be in like a button up. Yes. Like just not like, that's what I thought. Not, I not flattering. No, not, like that's uh, every, I always wear button ups. Like I thought that was the look because yeah. that's what men wear, not women though. Now I say that I used to think the girls that would dress up in college were extra and they probably weren't. <laughs> it's just, I didn't wear eyelashes. I didn't put makeup on. I didn't, I didn't do anything. I would just go to the games, you know, hair straighten, outfit, jeans, things like that. And as a one man band, which is basically your, your camera, your audio and the reporter. So it means I have to set up my tripod. I have to make sure the lighting is good. I got to make sure you can hear me. I got to make sure that it's position right so you're I'm not cutting off my head it's hard to do that and so there's a lot of struggles of it because sometimes you watch and you're like, oh it was good and then you go back home and like this like you know the bra strap sticking out of your shirt or my voice is like kind of high pitch or I'm kind of lazily and it's like annoying <laughs> so, um my hair is acting wild it's just it's so many things when it's just you and I had to kind of learn the whole package that is to be on tv And one of those lessons came from when I was walking around USC. I saw Shelly Smith doing a a live shot from campus. So when she was done, I walked up to her, introduced myself, and she was so nice. And she was nicer than I thought. And one of my favorite stories she did was on Jake Olson, who was a USC fan that had lost his sight. He ended up going to USC and becoming our long snapper. She did that story so well that that's where I instantly became a fan of hers. And she was a writer for many years before she transitioned onto TV. So I asked her, how did you make that transition from being behind the scenes and writing to physically being in front of a camera and talking what you would normally write out by yourself? And she said it was hard, but she said that she learned that you have to be the whole package. You have to have the hair, the look, the makeup, the outfit, as well as the knowledge. It's a full thing. You can't just be one or the other. And I've seen people that are behind the scenes work in radio or work in writing and podcasting and they know that that's all they want to do. They're not really worried about it. But now as the industry has evolved, 
you see more podcasts are actually being filmed. And she had mentioned that it was something that I'm gonna have to do. Oh my gosh, I look back at my old standups and I I can't even believe I thought anybody was gonna give me a job. Like one, I look really young. Two, I have zero makeup on. You can see like little bags under my eyes because I'm a college student sleep deprived. And I'm really thinking that I look like a whole professional and I didn't. And a part of it was like, I was resisting the whole like, well, I don't wanna wear makeup and I don't have to do this and I can be natural. And yes, you can, you can do that. I have done that. I take a lot of pride in the fact that I don't like to wear makeup all the time, but I was doing it almost to my detriment to the point where it's like, you're resisting for the wrong reasons. Like this is TV. You don't see anybody going on TV looking like they just woke up. You have to be the full package. And I felt that part of what helped me behind at the start of my career was that fear of losing my tomboyish ways that I didn't want to become a girly girl or become super into my looks or my hair or extra. And it's not even about that. It's just about, what does Prime say? You gotta look good, look good, you play good, play good, pay good, pay good, live good, live good, you know, eat good, die good. And that's the truth. That's one thing that I've learned as I've gotten opportunities on NBC, gotten opportunities on Trendzone and at NFL Network, gotten opportunities on Lakers TV and, and Dodgers Nation. So I had to find flattering clothes and lining my lips and making sure that the lighting doesn't make me look yellow or green and presenting myself by not wearing jeans and dirty tennis shoes or scuffed up tennis shoes. My presentation is everything. It comes with your reputation. Walk it like you talk it pretty much. And I added my little flavor to it. So if you see me at Dodger Stadium, you might see me in some heels sometimes, some Jordans, custom Nikes or Nikes with the heel in it. (laughs) So I can add a little two inches of it. Looking back at some of my stand-ups, take a listen to what I sounded like in college. The Trojans struck fast, but the Ducks struck faster. Oregon's offense put up the most points in USC history, as well as the most yards in a single game. Bragging rights and pride is the only thing that UCLA and USC are battling for. Both teams are fighting for a spot in the Pac-12 championship and the right to be crowned Pac-12 South champions. Even my voice is very different. Like, I cringe low-key every time that I hear them. I cursed a lot, too. That was my thing. Like, I would literally, I'd be talking and I would say, USC played Oregon in a shootout here at the Coliseum. Juju Smith had 200 and, 200 and, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> I would get so mad at myself and that was my thing. I would always curse and people would always laugh at me because they're like, Alisa, don't get nervous because people are walking by. Don't get nervous because someone's walking around you. That's always going to happen. People are going to stop and stare at you if you end up doing this. And that's one thing I learned when working at Lakers TV, because sometimes we would do our live shots outside of the stadium in front of Shaq's statue or Magic Johnson's. And as I was standing there, the second they see that Lakers mic flag, they're like, you know, kind of surrounding me, looking at me. I can't focus on that. Some of them were recording me, taking pictures. Most of them, you know, tourists or, or just being like, like thinking I'm somebody super famous. And... I had to block that out and just focus on my camera, focus on what I'm saying, making sure I'm hitting everything right and making sure I'm tossing to the sound correctly. So that all came from practice of literally shooting multiple standups at USC, which again, I use none of them. I will never show any of them to anyone ever again because I look back and I literally just look like a kid. 
I was in my 20s at the time, so I'm not a kid. But in the, in this industry, you kind of are. And so that awkwardness of shooting stand-ups and messing up and, and doing it in front of people walking by, looking at you or getting mixed up on stats and things like that, it's all part of the process of you trying to get better. And really acknowledging like, I have to showcase myself in a way that people respond to. And on top of that, people always say, judge for the job you want, not for the job you have. And I will say one of my girls, Crystal Rich, I literally asked her like, where do you shop? Cause she always looks fabulous. She would come to work in like beautiful, like like dresses and, and beautiful like shirts. And her hair was always like really nice. And I used to think like, you're just coming to the office like why are you dressed up so nice and she would literally just say like because this is who I'm presenting because this is who I am aka like I'm too good for this and so I'm letting y'all know I'm too good for this and I'm made for better things and she truly was and she truly is she is now in Philadelphia covering the Sixers for Sixers Outsiders and seeing her grow I've learned so much from her and presenting yourself in such a way that people pay attention and people see the knowledge they see the look and they're like wow she's really the full package because you have to have both especially as women in this industry which me and renee washington also talked about on the episode last week it's so important to present yourself in a way especially when you're going into these locker rooms you're going into these media rooms and you're meeting execs you're meeting managers you're meeting agents you're meeting owners you're meeting all kind of people because everyone comes to this one room to get dinner or just check in or say hi this industry is very very small and sooner or later stuff will really come full circle I'll be honest, I started out cleaning apartments with my dad. <laughs> and now I have him sitting in sweet boxes at Staples Center watching the Lakers and at the sweet box at Dodger Stadium watching the Dodgers play. And he taught me a valuable lesson of having to be nice to everyone. I know what it feels like to be disrespected. I used to have to clean apartment buildings, company buildings. I used to have to clean the bathrooms. People would come in, dudes would come in and literally use the bathroom as I'm in the other stall cleaning it. They didn't see me as valuable. Oh, you're just a cleaning lady. I was young at the time. I was really young at the time. My whole point is like, little do they know, look where I am now. I've had situations happen, especially in this industry. Like, I'm not gonna name no names because I'm not messy. But I've had instances where that happened, just not obviously that degrading, but <laughs> that happened in the sense of I've seen reporters treat me a certain way until they find out that I represent Sportsnet LA, or they see that I represent the Lakers, or they see that I represent someone that they consider valuable. That's literally happened to me. I'll go up to them because I'm impressed by what they do. And, it, and it's with everybody, Spanish reporters, English reporters. And I remember this one specific reporter, I went up to her and I said, hey, you know, my mom watches you all the time, X, Y, and Z, like you're so great. And she kind of looked at me like, oh, thanks. Like I was a fan. And I was like, oh, I, and then she literally didn't even give me the chance to like tell her who I work for. She's like, oh, okay, that's great. And she kind of just dismissed me. Well, later that day, she saw me on the field at Dodger Stadium and she saw me talking to Doc and that's his manager, Dave Roberts. And I walked off and she stopped me. She said, oh, hey, so you work for Sportsnet LA? And I'm like, yeah oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a field producer. So I help with pregame, postgame. I interview the players sometimes. Oh my gosh, that's so great. We should, you know, we should connect. And in my head, yes, they always say in the industry, don't burn a bridge. And I didn't, but I saw your true colors. 
you know? So it's like, don't try to backtrack now just because my name has a little weight to it. And that brought me back to that full circle moment of when I would be cleaning apartments with my dad or I'd be cleaning, you know, bathroom stalls in this building in the middle of nowhere, Westminster, uh, California. And they treat me like a nobody because they thought I was a nobody. But the second you find out I'm somebody, now you want to change up how you're acting. And my dad taught me that lesson really early on in my life. And he's like, look, just be nice to everybody. You're not responsible for what other people do. You're not responsible for what other people think. You can only control what you control. And so that moment was really full circle for me because it just reminded me like, wow, like you're, <laughs> when you didn't think I was anybody, you wanted to act a certain way. It shows me a lot about your character when you act a certain way because you think somebody could do something for you. I don't like people like that. I don't respect people like that. I also understand that there's just people like that in this industry. Those full circle moments continue to come, continue to come. And when I was at USC, I was getting internships left and right. I was trying to apply to stuff. Like I said, I met Shelly Smith while being a student at USC. One of my internships came because I met Jim Hill. Now, for my non-Los Angeles listeners, Jim Hill is an icon here in LA when it comes to sports. He's been covering sports for decades here. He's interviewed the best. He's well-known everywhere. And again, he was doing a live shot at USC. And I went up to him and I introduced myself and I asked him if he could help me get an internship at KCAL 9. And he was like, sure, like if you get in touch, drop my name. And realistically, that's all you need. You just need someone to invest in you or back you up or to say, yeah, I know her. And I ended up finding the internship coordinator's name through Google. And I emailed him and I said, hey, Jim Hill let me know to email you guys about a possible internship. So his name was Armin. And uh, he got back to me. He he was a USC alum, actually, it turned out. And he helped me get my first internship at KCAL 9. Ironically, Armin also gave me my first job out of college. Again, full circle. Now, Armin has a higher job at CBS. But at the time when I met him, he was just an intern coordinator. Imagine if I had been a bad intern. All of that follows you because this industry is so small, because everything at some point comes full circle, like I said. And so it's one of those things that I always try to keep in the back of my head. Now I know what I bring to the table. I know what I can bring to a company, to a position, put me on camera and watch me work. But I will never sit there and think that I'm better than someone or superior to anyone. Now, I may think I have better qualities, but <laughs> that's that's a whole different thing. So because things come full circle, at the beginning of USC, I always wanted to tell stories and get players to kind of open up about more than just X's and O's. I feel like now everyone does it, but at the time, it was a like brand new idea. So <laughs> um, like I said, I in my last podcast, I created the Behind the Face Mask series for the sports department at ATVN, which is Annenberg TV News. And I took a lot of pride in that because it was mine. I was my one-man band in those situations. I shared a little snippet of Robert Woods from his time on the show. And now I'm going to share a little bit of Nikhil Roby, who is also in the NFL. He played for the Rams as well for the Bills. Do you have any superstitions before the game? I have one superstition uh, before the game. Um, I have this habit of... Uh, always doing stuff with my right hand and every time I do something with my right hand before the game it, it just it does something to me I don't know don't ask me I can't tell you but that's that's just what it is now he was always one of my favorites to interview because he is what I call TV 
good. And what that means is that he would give me short sound bites under 10 seconds, but had like a lot of information or had like a good pun. Like he would say, we want to make sure we start off fast and get our run game good and really smack them in the mouth. You know, it's like, that's the things you want to put on TV that are under 10 seconds. And I think being comfortable talking to players, adding my own experiences to it allowed me to grow as a better reporter. And it translated really when I got the job with the Dodgers because I was able to connect with players on a different level. When Alex Verdugo was part of the Dodgers organization before he went off in that trade that allowed us to get Mookie Betts, we connected on the fact that he always had like a little bit of swag to him. One of my favorites was he had cleats that were Nipsey Hustle inspired. And I had asked him like, oh my God, those are so dope. Can I take a picture of your cleats? And he's like, yeah. Or he'd finish a game and he'd give me an interview. He was always a great interview too. And then he'd put on his like Gucci fuzzy slippers and i would just look at him and be like doogie what what, like what what is what is this and he's like oh, i swag what you mean and so me and him always had that good rapport because i connected him on just like a level of just appreciating your style appreciating your way of being and appreciating who you are as a person and so he was one of my favorites russell martin was also one of my favorites to interview with the dodgers mostly because he was just funny uh one time i walked into the clubhouse and I said, good morning. And he, he's like, yeah. He goes, morning? Girl, it's two o'clock. <laughs> and after that, literally after the game, he'd be like, good morning. And I'm like, have a good night, Martin. <laughs> so we always had that running joke. But creating those relationships with these kind of players that you see every single day and they know, okay, she's going to ask me the same question all the time. You don't want that kind of relationship. You know, you kind of want to have that rapport that every time I talk to you, it's a good conversation. And I take pride that I'm, I feel that I'm really good at that. And it's something that has allowed me to advance in L.A., LA is a very hard market. It's the number two market in the country. It's very oversaturated with everyone with their podcasts and vlogs and local and network. Like everyone's in LA. And so you have to find something that makes you stand out a little. And actually not a little, a lot. <laughs> and so I really take pride in in all those things. And like I said, everything comes full circle. I think back to my college days when I was trying to set up my stand-ups on the field. When I'm sitting there and I'm cursing, when I'm sitting there and I'm wondering why jobs aren't calling me back, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. As, as much as I thought I was going to be ready, it wasn't my time yet. I wasn't ready to take on the full responsibility of what it is to be on TV, what it is to have a presence in media, what it is to have random people criticize you, random people want to take pictures with you. I mean, it's just, it's all that stuff. I look back at that girl and... I'm proud of her because she put herself out there the best way that she could. And she wasn't afraid to showcase herself as she was. Her flaw was that she thought she knew it all. And being the host of Sportsish now, I wish I could tell her, like, girl, you didn't. <laughs> You're still, you still don't have everything. Part of what makes this industry crazy and fun and stressful is the fact that you're constantly learning you're constantly evolving you're constantly changing it's one of the reasons why I love it so much because it doesn't stay the same for very long and so you have to be on top of your game you have to learn the latest thing you have to know what Twitch is and TikTok and Instagram live and fleets and your reels and, and all this stuff that you have to do to market yourself I mean you got to do it and one of my quotes, which you guys know, I like ending my podcast on favorite quotes, your best advice. And one of my favorite quotes is from Kobe. 
And he says, if you don't believe in yourself, no one will. That quote really hit me because none of my family is in sports entertainment. None of my family has connections at TV stations or knows the commissioner of X, Y, and Z. I have to believe in myself. I have to strive for greatness. I have to show that I can do this. I have to tell you that I can do this so that you can believe that I can do this. I can't be that shy girl that just hopes one day I get discovered. How am I going to get discovered if I don't showcase myself? How am I going to get discovered if I don't dress the part? How am I going to get discovered if I don't want to be noticed? You have to make a statement. So if you see me at Dodger Stadium, you'll probably see me in some heels. You'll see me in a dress. You'll see me in dope ass dress pants. You'll see me uh, doing the most sometimes, you know, and you'll see me eyelashes, nails popping, all that stuff, because now I take pride in it. Now it's just part of who I am. But I had to like realize like just because you do that stuff doesn't really change much about you. You're just adding some frost into yourself. That's all it is. You're still who you are. You have to just evolve. You can't be the same. If you're the same every year, forever, it's not a good thing. You can stay true to your values. You can stay true to your core. I haven't changed from being that girl that respects everyone, treats everyone the same. The valet guys, the parking guys, the security guards that guard the cars (laughs) during the games. I'm nice to everyone. I give them Christmas gifts. I say hi to them. I ask about their families because I truly care. I'm not doing that for show. I'm doing it because you're someone that I could see myself in. And even that is full circle for me too. (laughs) Because, and that's one of the reasons why I love sports so much, because it just connects you when you see someone that looks like you doing great things. One of my favorite things that happened to me at Dodger Stadium was one of the women that work in the kitchen, she came out and she saw me and she called me over and she said, you're the film producer, right? And I said, yeah. And she said, oh, you work with the talent from SportsCenter LA. I said, yeah. She said, where are you from? And I said, my family is from El Salvador. Yo soy salvadoreña. And she, had, she got the biggest smile on her face. And she said, it makes me so proud to see you walk around here. And you're on your phone. And you're writing stuff down. And you're running around. And she's like, I'm so happy to see a woman like you in such a high position. And... I was like, thank you. Like, that means so much to me. And she's like, yeah, like, keep doing what you're doing. She's like, a little morenita, (laughs) which means a darker skinned Latina, um, working in such a male-dominated sport. You know, even the security guards, like, when they see me, you know, they're, oh, when are you going to be on TV? Or when am I going to see you? But they they see what I want to do and where I want to be. And I tell them all the time about the latest stuff that I'm doing because I'm friends with them. And we share things and we go on to discuss sports and, and that's the thing you can always connect with somebody. Oh, what are your sports? Oh, you're their team. Oh, you're a Cowboys fan. Oh, you're a Lakers fan. Oh, you're a Giants fan. And that's the beauty of sports. That's the beauty of stuff coming full circle so far in my career. And I hope to hopefully get in t- contact with Woody or, or Nikhil and have them on the show. So that can be another full circle moment for me. I really wanted to spend this time to just let you guys know a little bit about myself. Now, you guys are falling in love, hopefully, with sports-ish And you guys are getting a taste of what this life is and a taste of what my experiences are. This episode was a little different because it was more about my upbringing and transitioning into the more cosmetic side of sports. And you heard me mess up a few times. You heard my annoying voice sometimes. (laughs) And it's just something that I want to share with you guys so you can know that as much as I expect these athletes to be open with me, I want to be open with you guys and I want you guys to know me and I will never ask what I am not willing to give myself. 
I don't think it's fair to expect someone to do something that you're not even willing to do yourself. So there it is. And there's my outro music. <laughs> Thank you to everyone for listening to another edition of Sportsish. I'm your host, Elisa Hernandez. You can follow me on Twitter at eHernandezTV and on Instagram at Hernandez underscore LA. Thank you to everyone that has subscribed, shared us on social media, and just shown Sportsish so much love. I hope you stay on for next week because I'll have an amazing guest and I'll be back with another episode. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.